What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me as always is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are officially six days away from the kickoff of the 2022-2023 football season. Uh, But during that time, we have had a very busy schedule, especially this past week. Uh, But before we dive into uh, what we had going on, we wanted to provide an update uh, for you guys on ALA Anthem South. They are going to forego their varsity season this year and be having a JV season. But with that, we have come to see that since they made this announcement last week, now we have teams scrambling to uh, fill a a 10th game for their uh, season. And so, so far, we are still awaiting a uh, decision from ALA Ironwood on if they will be having a week one game. So far, we have uh, not gotten an update on that. As we stated on our page... We had some information as them possibly playing uh, Sequoia Pathway, but that didn't uh, come to uh, fruition. But now they uh, Sequoia Pathway will be taking on Sabino on October 7th. Coolidge will be going to uh, Parker. Uh, we're just waiting on a final date for that. I think they had to switch a couple of games to make sure that their schedule aligned and they both would have the same bye week. So it's kind of unfortunate for our teams that are sitting here trying to pick up a 10th game. Uh, some are maybe even deciding to forego a 10th game because depending on who you pick up, it could help or hurt your schedule. Either way it goes, you know, whether you win. Uh, I, to me, I think picking up a 10th game against a quality opponent will help. But it all depends on how things play out throughout the season, of course. I mean, what what are your takes on this uh, uh, this issue right here? Um, I was highly disappointed, as a matter of fact. Like, it wasn't anything that I expected because I had, had um, ALA Anthem South a little bit higher than, you know, you had them on my um, way too early preseason rankings. And it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I understand, you know, um, now knowing, you know, how the, the facility is a little bit, you know, you know, with my daughter going to the elementary school, uh, I noticed that, you know, it's not quite up to par. The, the building's not finished. There's a lot of their facilities that, you know, that isn't completed. So it makes total sense why they would own, they would forego their varsity season and play a JV. Um, it's just really unfortunate for those players who had switched schools and looked forward to playing, you know, this season in a varsity, but will not, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with that as well as, you know, we had a lot of players uh, reach out to us and wanted us to uh, cover this school uh, just like we would uh, any other team. And they were looking forward to it to finally uh, have that light on them. And, you know, uh, part of the reasons of why they were transferring was to uh, help build a, a new school up, you know, and we were looking forward to it. But we will still be keeping tabs on uh, ALA Anthem South and how their JV seasons are going, of course. But unfortunately, our primary focus is on the varsity level at the moment. I think once we're able to uh, expand a little bit and bring on a little bit more staff, then we can uh, cover both varsity and JV. But for the time being, you know, we're going to still stick with the the remaining 12 teams that we do have. And a couple of them actually had some scrimmage, uh, had some scrimmages uh, this past week. Uh, Coolidge uh, taking on uh, Pushridge, Sequoia Pathway uh, taking on Tempe, and Florence uh, taking on Coronado. Uh, what was uh, some of the feedback that you got from uh, the games that we didn't attend? Because we actually were at the Coolidge and Pushridge games. So what was some of the feedback you were getting uh, from the other two games? 
um, some of the feedback I got was actually pretty positive. Um, when I look back at some of the players' uh, feedback from Sequoia Pathway, they were very pleased with how they reacted out there and how they're going to uh, move forward into this season. They felt like that scrimmage did them very well and, and taking the time to travel from Maricopa to Tempe and seeing, you know, another team's facilities. And while they're at these facilities, take advantage of that. And I feel like that did them well. I, I think that this season, uh, from you know, based on our time there during their media day, uh, I feel like this season is going to be really good for Sequoia. And then, you know, moving into Florence, where they played Coronado, they had a really good show out. Um, talking to Coach Michael Gutierrez, he, was, he spoke very highly of the team and was really looking forward to their first week matchup against Parker. And so were a lot of the players, as a matter of fact. They're really looking forward to that trip. I think that's uh, what a majority of them were saying, is that yeah, they really look forward to that bus ride up to Parker before the game. Yeah, it was good to finally be able to catch up with the, the Florence team and their coaches and, you know, also meeting uh, Coach Jesse Hart. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, those media days here in a minute. Uh, but let's move into uh, Sequoia Pathway and Tempe. Um, I, we got to see a couple of uh, highlights uh, throughout that game, uh, seeing uh, young Vinny Sanchez in the pocket out there. Had a lot of positives, you know, uh, whether it was scrambling, uh, you know, a couple passes that he was hitting. Did have a uh, interception uh, later in the drive in the end zone. So, you know, a couple of things to work out. But I think uh, one of the people that kind of stood out uh, and that people are going to keep uh, their eye on is is uh, the six foot uh, three uh, wide receiver, uh, TJ Cayley. You know, I believe uh, just Chile uh, uh, spoke highly about him uh, as he attended that scrimmage as well. So a lot of positives uh, for uh, Sequoia Pathway, especially uh, taking on a team like Tempe, who last year wasn't that great. You know, so maybe they had some improvements on their end, but definitely a good opponent uh, for a scrimmage for Sequoia Pathway. How did you feel that uh, the team uh, held up? Oh, I feel like they definitely held their own. I feel they're definitely ready for this season to come in. They had tons of preparation throughout the summer, and there's not any sleep. Whenever you wear that purple and gold, there's there's no rest. You are dedicated from the moment you come in until you graduate. And and that's all props to Coach Donnie and his team, from everybody from Coach Swerve to Coach Carl Lamore. You know, shout out all of them, because they all do a tremendous job with these young men. And and it shows because the the rate of of these young men, you know, playing uh, at the next level, it it showed last year when they had that you know, huge amount of people from the graduating class just go on and sign on to the play for the next level. It was really good. Yeah, and you know, even to see uh, Vinny uh, take control of the offense, I felt that you know, for him being a first time starter on varsity. He held his own, you know, like I said, young guy who's bound to make mistakes. But as long as he knows not to repeat those uh, throughout the game, I think uh, Sequoia Pathway is going to surprise a lot of people uh, through the air this year. We already know what they're going to have in the backfield, but now uh, on the offensive end, they're a threat to uh, kind of throw it on you as well. And I feel like with them being in the 2 a uh, conference, they have... With Vinny, a tremendous weapon because not a lot of teams in 2A have, you know, a, a good run game, let alone a good secondary that would be able to protect against that. So Vin has, you know, his work cut out for him where he can make his his dreams and goals come true of being in the record books next year and just constantly move forward in them. 
So let's move on into uh, the game we did attend. Uh, that was the Coolidge versus Pushridge game. Uh, we actually had a good friend of ours in the stands with us, uh, Mr. Chris Kidney with Southern Arizona Football. Uh, one of his teams that he covered, uh, he wanted to take the drive down with me. And, uh, you know, it was a good uh, talk on the way about uh, how close uh, both teams were, you know, as far as matchups and styles, you know. Uh, I think that... Coolidge uh, struggled a little bit out the gate, but did turn things around in the second half of of the scrimmage. And I feel that they could definitely uh, hold their own if they do make the playoffs. It's just there are some things uh, that they do need to clean up. What were the uh, positives and negatives that you saw uh, for the Coolidge Bears? Um, Tons of positives. Not really a whole lot of negatives, but the negatives do stand out a lot. Um, positives. Everybody was talkative. One thing that I loved is that there were no hung heads. Nobody was worried about, you know, if they were getting in and getting out. That was one thing I loved about that scrimmage was I saw a lot of activity. There was a lot of movement on the sidelines. Everybody got, you know, their play. Playing both sides of the ball as well, Mm -hmm. too. Exactly. Another good thing that I liked was uh, they showed a lot of resilience. Like you said, they didn't, you know, have it easy in the beginning. They were getting ran through. Um, if, if, if I wanted, you know, switch it up a little bit and talk about a negative, and we talked about this ad nauseum, their ability to, to, or their inability, I should say, to not tackle and, and hang on. You were on it on the sidelines. You, you took the time to talk to some players and said, hey, you know, I could see where you're doing it. And, and trust me, I know that I noticed that some of the coaches were noticing that too, but they had, you know, nothing to say because they, they were watching what you were telling them and everything you were saying was true. You were trying to help them and it wasn't going against anything that they were coached prior. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you hit that one on the head. Uh, that was my biggest uh, negative for Coolidge was the ability to wrap up and tackle. I seen a lot of bodies thrown, you know, trying to do the old school hit stick. As uh, you know, if you're playing Madden, you know what I'm talking about. But um, I seen a lot of that. I would like to see a little bit more wrapping up, uh, but also uh, a little bit more of awareness you know of where the play is going and having a quicker reaction I think that's what ultimately uh allowed for the big runs of course it was not being able to tackle I think we saw um one of the push ridge uh, players break through about five or six tackles that could have easily you know been different if they fully wrapped up and you know committed to the tackle but I think that they were a step behind uh throughout the game on the defensive end uh, you did see uh, some positives on the defensive end. Uh, of course, they didn't want to throw uh, Belcom's way. We saw that. Uh, but uh, Javante Wall had a nice interception uh, late in the game. Right in uh, front of us. Right in front of us, yes, most definitely. And uh, I think that that's the stuff that you saw them progress throughout the game. And, you know, I think if, if they clean up those little bit of things, they will be fine. And, you know, Pushridge is not an easy team. They were a playoff team last year. Uh, but going into week one, you know, they have to clean these things up uh, quickly. Or if not, Cam Hackworth over there as uh, Sabino will have a field day if you don't uh, uh, contain him and wrap him up for sure. I, I don't think that will be a challenge for them. I, I think that this will be something that they will be ready for. Um, with this being a scrimmage, one thing I did notice is that, like you said, they were a step behind. And I feel like that, that was almost, you know, done purposely. Like they weren't trying to go all out. They weren't trying to get an injury. They they were almost in a way playing possum yeah, in a well, way. Just getting the feel of it, you know, just uh, trying to make sure they're in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, scrimmages don't go full force. They're, you can't sack the quarterback. You know, there's a little. Um, there's different rules. Di- different rules that, you know, the referees uh, 
don't want players to get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt the week before the uh, the opening of the season. But one of the biggest uh, positives I did see uh, for Coolidge uh, was in the quarterback uh, position. Um, both Ethan and uh, Gianni, they play a little, a little bit different. Uh, I think uh, Gianni's uh, quick reaction and um, his instincts to get the ball out pretty quick are going to be a positive uh, for Coolidge going forward and his ability to uh, get out of the pocket when need be. Uh, because I think one of the big things was uh, the amount of pressure that uh, Pushridge was able to put on the uh, O-line for Coolidge. It seems like on a, uh, some crucial third and fourth downs that they gave up sacks uh, and didn't, uh, I think Ethan was in at quarterback at the time, but didn't give him enough time or his receivers, uh, their receivers enough time to get open in order for him to make a decisive decision. And so I think if they can clean those things up uh, before uh, their game against Sabino, they're going to be just fine. But that's one thing I noticed that it felt like Push Ridge kind of took advantage of when they saw that Ethan was under center, they kind of, you know, rushed in a little bit harder than they did with Gianni because they kind of knew that. Uh, you know that this this uh, not necessarily putting down Ethan, but this quarterback, speaking of Gianni, had a little bit more to work with, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what they took advantage of. And just speaking to Ethan, you know, uh, didn't get to speak to him personally, but if he's listening right now, one thing I would say is just to relax. Um, your line will have you. You just need to 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 take a take a breath and and trust in your teammates. One thing is 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 that I noticed was he was really rushing, and you could see that a lot in his face. There was a lot of worry there as soon as you know he, he took the ball. There was a lot of worry. If you relax a little bit and take the game as it's coming to you, you'll have a lot more success, I promise. And it's going to be good things uh, for Coolidge going forward. You know, I'm sure that uh, not every team's going to put their full playbook out there. Like I said, it felt like uh, they were just getting the basics out of the way. And I think that going forward, you're going to see them really open up that playbook. But moving on into uh, the second part of last week, we had uh, two media days as we uh, attended the uh, Florence Gophers media day as well as the Vista Grande uh, media day on Saturday. I thought it was an amazing event. Finally uh, got to uh, meet Coach Jesse Hart as well as uh, Coach uh, Roberts uh, for uh, Vista. And, man, it's two uh, completely different guys, and their coaching styles are very different. Uh, but I think both teams, you know, brought a great attitude and enjoyed having us there. You know, uh, I think that's one of the best things we've been able to do. It's allowed us to get to know all these teams uh, that we've been able to cover so far. We still got a, a few more to go, but I think Florence, uh, you know, we learned a lot about them uh, as far as uh, there were some question marks that we uh, had as well as uh, Vista, we uh, learned about some uh, holes that they needed to fill and to get to know, uh, you know, who is the guys to watch. And we want to unveil those quite yet. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that as uh, Vista season uh, gets ready to kick off in September. But uh, what about Florence? So what was the biggest takeaway uh, for you during their media day? One thing that I noticed about Florence, and, and we've been to quite a few, like you said, we, we've done Sequoia, Santa Cruz, Coolidge. Um, Vista and and going back to Florence, they have so much depth. They don't have a JV team this year, but they have a ridiculously large freshman and sophomore team. And and when you got to look at their their boys on the varsity, those kids are huge. And, and that's speaking on you know seeing Logan Stenson was a huge uh, difference from the last time I saw him seeing him playing baseball last year was, was totally different. Like he has definitely had a growth spurt 
And, you know, there's a lot more bass in his voice. And he seems just as he was last year. Uh, and by that, I mean a quiet storm. He doesn't seem too cocky or brash. He, he's really, you know, soft-spoken, but, you know, very humble. And, and, and that's exactly what you're looking for in a leader. And that seems to be right on track to be one of the best teams in 3A. This is not the same team that we were looking at last year. Um, speaking to Logan, he was saying that this team is a lot more disciplined than they were last year and that he's looking forward to the changes that, you know, Coach Hart is going to instill in them. And I think he's right. I think that this year is going to be a huge turnaround for the Florence Gophers. Yeah, and uh, Coach uh, Gutierrez uh, spoke highly of uh, Logan uh, likes uh, his mobility and uh, his quick decision making and he said that that was one of the big things that they kind of lacked last year was a quarterback to uh, have those attributes but I feel that I may have underestimated Florence uh, at the beginning you know in the way too early power rankings as well as uh, the uh, predictions but that's just going off of what we saw last year definitely a team that like you said has a lot of depth I want to say they have almost 15, 16 seniors this year. So a lot of experience, uh, nine seniors that are going to be starting on the offensive end. But the biggest part about it is, besides that, they still have a lot of juniors and sophomores that are going to be getting playing time this year. That's only going to make them better next year as we talk to uh, Coach Gutierrez about their freshman team. So they're not going to have a JV team. It's just going to be strictly a freshman, sophomore team. Uh, but um, those guys coming up, too, they they were not undersized at all, you know, and they uh, are looking forward to having a great season this year as well. So, you know, definitely got to keep uh, Florence circled. I mean, there there was uh, players like uh, Joshua Jackson going to be uh, taking over the starting roles. And we've heard uh, people chirp about him that, hey, this is uh, his year. It's uh, definitely a, a time for him to step up and uh, be uh, w- the leading running back this year, as well as uh, Jackson uh, Trenadu, uh, another running back. Uh, they're going to be uh, splitting carries. And, you know, Jackson told me uh, told me himself personally, hey, remember me. And I was like, OK, I, I will uh, accept that challenge. You know, I I love when uh, student athletes want to say, hey, you need to keep an eye on me because I definitely will. You know, sh- uh, show me what you got. I will kept capture as much highlights of you as I can. But you know what? Go out there and do your thing because all we want is for the success uh, for Pinal County to be great. And, you know, unfortunately, we every team can't win because some of them play each other and you can only have one state champion. But Florence is going to be trending in that right direction. And I definitely see an improvement from last year for sure. No, 100 percent. I think that the players that you mentioned are definitely going to stand out this year and are going to play a pivotal role in why that team ends up being better then seven and three, like I originally predicted, and six and four, like you did. And that was funny that while we were taking their photos, they had mentioned that they're like, hey, which one was the one that said seven and three? And, 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 and that'll be, uh, he says he's going to be the best kicker in 3A Arizona. The guy who asked me that question was Mr. Uh, Tyler O'Rourke, kicker and punter uh, for Florence. And he says, you know what? I, I think he he reminds me a lot of our good friend Cody Barber is that he has that swag to him like, hey, man, I'm here to mean business. And, you know, kickers don't get a lot of love out there, but mm-hmm. we will definitely uh, be uh, having Tyler on our radar. And, you know, it's me, Daniel, who predicted you all to go six and four. I really think that it, you might uh, end up taking uh, the winning part in that one because I do like uh, what Florence has to offer. A hundred percent. So let's get uh, right into 
the week one games we have uh, for August 19th. Uh, we have uh, four games this week. Uh, let's start off with uh, the Santa Cruz uh, Dust Devils as they're going to be hosting the Gilbert Christian Knights. Uh, we both had uh, the Dust Devils dropping that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gilbert Christian is uh, definitely a tough team. Uh, always seems to be replacing their guys and are a good team year in and year out. From what you've seen uh, and heard about Santa Cruz, do you think that your prediction may change this week, or are you still thinking that the Knights hold the advantage? I got to say that the Knights still hold the advantage. I mean, no disrespect to any of the players on Santa Cruz. I love them all. The one thing that didn't sway was the experience behind Gilbert Christian. They continually improve each year, and, and it shows not only in their record but in their facilities. If you take a trip down Gilbert Road, you can't miss their their state-of-the-art facilities that are, you know, right there. Um, I think that that type of experience and, and that type of depth in their program is ultimately going to give Santa Cruz a nightmare on week one. What do you think is going to be the biggest weakness for Santa Cruz in week one? Do you feel it's going to be more on the offensive side or the defensive side? That's tough. I don't think that, you know, it's really uh, – easy to say that you know one side or the other would be technically the weakness because you know they seem pretty balanced but one thing that i see is going to be the mistakes made on defense are going to be really costly not to say that the offense won't be able to capitalize back but i feel like the offensive weaponry that the the knights have is just going to be too much too much to handle i can see that um is there anybody that you have on your radar that can make a big impact for santa cruz and maybe um help them stay in this game uh, early on? Well, it's definitely going to fall on the toughness of young Nathan Harris. Uh, it's going to be his first game under center, you know, in varsity. And it, uh, no, 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 no. He actually played a uh, game last year. Uh, yeah, he played center. a few games once so, uh, they move uh, Max uh, to the backfield. That's right. And I feel like, you know, with it, with it being his first game, he's going to have, of course, those first game jitters. But I expect him to, to take over, and, and if he has any reason to fall back, he has someone right behind him that will be able to, you know, to not only take the ball and run it physically and, and metaphorically, but Max will definitely have his back. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to come down to the ability of Max to create some plays uh, just because of the inexperience of uh, Santa Cruz being sophomore heavy. They're going to have to, I mean, they're limited to, I believe, four seniors this year. Uh, So that lack of inexperience, you're going to need those seniors to step up a lot more than they, that they were required to do last year. Uh, You know, last year they had a little bit more depth in the uh, senior class. This year they don't have that. So I think ultimately it's going to take a team effort uh, in order to be competitive with the Knights. But it's definitely going to have to come off the play of Max Rodriguez to me. And unfortunately, I, I definitely agree with you that I still have the Knights pulling this one out uh, for their week one matchup. So uh, let's move right into uh, game two. Uh, it's going to be Santan Foothills taking on uh, Paula Verde at Paula Verde. Uh, we've heard a little bit uh, about Paula Verde uh, this past week, uh, thanks to our good buddy uh, Chris. Um, we had our feelings about Santan Foothills and what type of team they were going to be this year. How do you see this one uh, faring out now that we've learned a little bit more about each team? This is going to be a game where I have to go back on my original word. I had Paula Verde taking Santan Foothills completely out. 
But after, you know, speaking to Chris and, and getting the full view of his face as he described this team, I, I have no choice but to give Santan Foothills the edge. And it's funny that you were talking about chirps because we've been hearing chirps through the grapevine that actually Santan Foothills is going to be the surprise team, not only in 3A, but possibly in our whole entire county. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have been talking uh, big things about uh, Santan Foothills. And if we see them, uh, you know, take care of Palo Verde like we expect uh, this week, I'm going to keep them uh, kind of circled on my radar right there that this is a team that may be able to uh, put up a fight in that 3A Central. You know, it's a very deep uh, region, but the 3A Central uh, is definitely going to have one of the best regions possibly in this county just because of how competitive uh, these teams are turning out to be. Uh, I agree with you. I think that uh, Santan Foothills will take care of Palo Verde. But didn't and it, you have that originally? Yes, yes. I, I did have that originally. I'm just sticking uh, with my pick. But let, let's just make one thing clear. Uh, since you're switching your pick. Whoa there. We're, <laughs> we're going to. Uh, that doesn't mean that it goes in the record book as you picking Santan Foothills. You got to stick with your original pick when we made those picks uh, a few uh a few weeks ago. So even though you're switching your pick this week, it'll still count as a loss for you if Paul Verde. I just want to make that clear because, you know, uh, I don't want you over there trying to put a, a win in the win column for yourself uh, this week. But, no, you know, I'm just joking about that. I'm um, going to call this the cutthroat hairstyle competition. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, definitely expect big things uh, from Santan Foothills this week. And I really want to see uh, what players are going to stand out for them. Still a, a fresh team that we haven't learned a lot about, uh, just besides uh, what we're hearing around the community. But I want to see uh, in the Pinal Central uh, next week, a uh, what was the player that you know helped dominate uh, this game for uh, Santan Foothills? So please keep us updated and you know let us know about uh, some of these players because we definitely want to get to know them. We definitely want to uh, get to uh, know the coaching staff for Santan and look forward to seeing what they do this year. And I think they're going to have a good uh, week one. No doubt. So uh, going into game three, we kind of uh, talked uh, about this game uh, briefly uh, during our media portion. Uh, the Florence Gophers are going to be traveling uh, to Parker to take on the Bronx. A very interesting game. You know, uh, you got Parker coming up from 2A now, going to be having its first season in 3A. And uh, they're going to be taking on a, a pretty good looking uh, Florence team. And what do you think is going to be the game changer for uh, the Gophers to pick up a victory this week? The main thing that's going to keep this game either really close or even a, a game flipper, because this was another game where I, I think I had Parker take the the win over Florence. It, it all depends on that bus ride. If they are focused and they're able to to maintain, which I have no doubt Coach Hart will be able to, to stay on top of these young men, but I feel like that bus ride is going to be definitely telling on how they handle the Parker Bronx. One thing that, like we mentioned before previously is that these are not undersized Florence Gophers. They're going to come in there and challenge those big Bronx because that's one thing that we know that those kids from up North, they constantly stay big. If not, they get bigger. Yep. And I feel like Florence will definitely be able to hold their ground against them and possibly, possibly walk out of their winners. And so we know uh, that they have uh, nine players starting, um, actually nine seniors starting on the offensive end. Uh, you're going to see Logan uh, be the full-time QB1. Uh, we talked about Josh Jackson. Uh, but what I'm interested in seeing is on uh, the uh, defensive end. You have uh, big old Wrangler Gilliams. 
at the D tackle position. You have uh, Aiden Lopez, who's now transitioning from defensive end to outside linebacker. And he's uh, going to be able to team up with uh, senior uh, Wade Lewis as well. I'm interested to see what the Gophers defense is going to look like this year. They got a lot of returning pieces. And let's not forget about uh, Anthony uh, Pistorio, um, another addition, another senior on that defensive side. They have a lot of opportunities to uh, possibly shut down uh, the Bronx. That, to me, is going to be the X factor. What is these seniors going to do on the defensive end? I know the offensive end is still fresh. You know, you got a couple pieces you're plugging in on that end. But can the defense rise to the occasion and be the anchor for this team while the offense kind of gets into the swing of things with uh, the offensive playbook uh, from Coach Hart? So You're definitely right. I think that the defense will – Definitely be key for them beating Parker this Friday. So prediction time. Are you going to be going with the Bronx or are you going to be taking the Gophers this week? Originally, I went with the Bronx. I'm going to go against that and say that Florence handles business. They're going to go in there, suit and tie and surprise Parker. And I know that if Coach Leo Scott is listening, he's like going to be like, how dare you go against my team? But (laughs) sorry, Leo, it's just something I have to do. I got I got to hold it down for these Pinal County boys. No, uh, I I definitely see where you're coming from here. Um, To me, I'm going to still stick with my original prediction. I think that the experience of uh, Parker and, you know, being that Florence is learning a new offense, uh, you know, uh, under a new coach, I think that it's going to take them a little bit to mesh to get used to the plays and everything like that. So being with uh, Parker's experience and how well they did in 2A last year, I think it's going to be a competitive matchup, no doubt. But I'm going to give uh, the edge to Parker this week and stick with my same prediction. So You know, you just broke a couple of them boys. Oh, I know it. Hard. I know it. I'm going to hear it uh, definitely on social media when uh, this comes out. But let's move into our game of the week. Uh, it's going to be the Sabino Sabercats uh, taking on the Coolidge Bears at Sabino. We will be uh, attending this matchup. Definitely looking forward to it. Two possible playoff teams. If not, I probably would already have them locked in uh, to make the playoffs. I'm so excited for this matchup because uh, we're definitely going to see what the Coolidge Bears are made of coming into the first week of the season. And to me, I think the biggest question is going to be, can this offensive line give Gianni and Belcom or, you know, whoever's at the quarterback position and, you know, whoever's at the running back position – the time that they need to make big plays because to me it's going to be a high energy game I think it's going to be a high scoring game as long as Coolidge can match the intensity of uh, Sabino Um, but I think the main focus needs to be on the offensive line and I will challenge them this week to step up and uh, give your quarterback a little bit more time he can scramble we've seen it but if you give him a little bit of time that uh, he can make some things happen the same way uh, Belcom or um, Maurice can do, even Javante, they have a lot of depth in the running back position that the offensive line just has to give them an opportunity to uh, showcase their skills. Yeah, as soon as they find a gap, all three of those names that you mentioned can easily make a huge play on, on the ground. One thing that we saw from Belcom is he got a good 15 15- yard gain from a wide open spot that that's uh push rigid gave them i feel that if sabino does the same thing and makes that same mistake belcom is going to make them pay heavily who is going to be the x factor for you whether it's offense or defense what player needs to step up the most in order for 
Coolidge to have a successful game against the Sabercats? Mm, I don't know if it's essentially one player, but I'll ch- just like you, I'll challenge a group of players, not only the offensive, but the defensive line. One thing that we were told highly in the, during the summer was, you know, my offensive line is very good. My defensive line is very good. And I feel like a lot of people would be surprised. And that's coming from Coach Shanks. One thing that the scrimmage didn't really show was that the, the, there was a little bit of mistakes here and there. But I feel like they will be able to clean that up come Friday. It's going to be a slobber knocker, bro. On the defensive end, you know, of course, we stated that tackling, wrapping up is a, a big cleanup that they need to do. But I'm going to say uh, same thing, uh, the defensive uh, line, but as well as the secondary. If the defensive line is not able to contain uh, Cameron Hackworth, it's going to be a long day for uh, the Coolidge defense because not only did he lead the Sabercats in passing, he also led them in rushing. And uh, so he's not afraid to get out of the pocket and, uh, you know, go for long runs. And if Coolidge cannot wrap up, he's going to be running for days. And, you know, we've seen a lot of teams uh, struggle with that against uh, Sabino last year. So I think if uh, the D-line can help sustain and keep him in the pocket and make him a passer, then the next thing is that secondary that we speak so highly of with Belcom, Jaleel, and Javante, they need to be on their A game and need to have a little bit more uh, breakups uh, of passing as well as uh, hopefully a couple interceptions like we saw uh, Javante pull uh, on Thursday. So I think in order for Coolidge uh, to be in this game, it's going to be a big uh, defensive game for them and they need to play the best game that they have so far. I mean, I know it's the first game of the season, but this is a game that you can't take this team lightly. If not, if not, uh, you know, we'll see what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. But that's the biggest thing I'm taking away from Coolidge and what I want to uh, see them elevate their game is both on the D-line and in the secondary. One thing that I want to say, and, and I hope the players are listening, is don't let this game get out of hand like the Yuma Catholic game last year. That game, it started off so great and so strong, at least from the standpoint we were looking at, because unfortunately we weren't there. But then all of a sudden we saw that score change dramatically and it was constantly changing. And in, I think it was over by halftime. It, it was. It, it was really hard to watch. And we were like, what happened? And, and the thing that even sucked, too, is at the time, I don't know if I was even here or if I if I was. I think you might have been on your way back from Houston, but if not, you were. I remember that it was tough because there was hardly anything in Pinal Central or mm-hmm. even from the AIA that happened in that game as far as stats or, or what could have happened. And, and oh, go ahead. Just to, uh, while, while it's in my head right now, uh, just uh, to piggyback off of that, one of the biggest things about uh, that game specifically is Yuma Catholic loved to throw the ball. Sabino loves to throw the ball. Even though uh, Cam loves to get out of the pocket and be a scrambler, he, he, can't, he does have an arm. You know, don't let his size fool you. He does have an arm, and he has a couple of weapons at the wide receiver positions that can uh, help uh, take the ball to the end zone as well. So I think uh, for Coolidge, like I said, needs to play the best game of football they have so far. Try to limit the mistakes and keep the game close because I think if they can keep the game close and possibly frustrate the Sabercats, you might see an upset. And, and I'm only saying that because I had taken the Sabercats to win. I would not be surprised if Coolidge uh, managed to upset uh, the Sabercats this week because, to me, I think what I saw on the offense, and, you know, I know I spoke about the offensive line, but, you know, the plays uh, from their running backs, from their receivers, they have a 
big depth of receivers this year, which is going to be awesome for uh, Gianni or Ethan, whoever's uh, starting at quarter, uh, quarterback this week. They have the talent. Now it's time to execute. Uh, you know, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. Me, I'm still going to give, and I mean, this is by the hairs of a margin, uh, just because I want, I think it's going to be closer than what I'm predicting. I still give the uh, slight edge, uh, just experience wise, to the Sabercats. I have them still winning, but I will not be surprised if Coolidge shocks me and they ended up still in this one. I'm not going to change my pick. I'm going to say that Coolidge does win this. And like you said, it's going to be close. I look forward to staying at that game and, and taking a lot of deep breaths after that game being like, Man, can you believe that? Like, it was a good one. Like, And I feel like that's exactly what it's going to be. I do not count out the Bears. One one thing that I'll say is that scrimmage, I'll take it lightly. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I don't feel that each team uh, dove deep into that playbook, uh, you know, but it did allow us to uh, examine what the Bears are going to do this year. And I think they're going to be just fine. Just a little bit of cleanups, but... You're sticking with the Bears. I'm sticking uh, with Sabino. Uh, let's recap the other picks. Uh, you're going with Florence. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with Parker. We're both going to take uh, Santan Foothills and take uh, Gilbert uh, Christian uh, to beat uh, the Dust Devils. So, man, it, it's an exciting week. I'm glad we're finally here. You know, I can't wait to get out there and do what I do best. You know, I've been helping you with photos, and that's uh, your niche. Uh, but I'm ready to start recording and uh, filming some games. You know, I want to get some highlights and uh, really um, bring to life uh, what these guys are going to do this year. And that's uh, Pinal County, uh, you know, as a whole. It, it's uh, going to be an exciting time. And, you know, I'm glad that we're also uh, getting people reaching out to us that kind of want to help us out this year. And, you know, hopefully we're able to uh, have that service uh, provided for us. And we can, even though we're not going to be at some games this year, uh, if people can provide us uh, with pictures or videos and stuff like that, we have no problem uploading them on our website or on our pages as well. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to look forward to this week. I know that there's a lot of players excited for this. And then, and speaking of other teams like Vista and Casa Grande, who will be starting their season just a little bit later, it's an exciting time to be a football fan. There's preseason football on TV. These, these high schoolers are getting ready to throw their pads back on you know, and, and make it count for real this time. It's a super exciting time. And I think uh, we're going to have uh, some big success and some big surprises here in Pinal County for sure. Uh, but, you know, before we uh, wrap up the episode, uh, we wanted to make a couple of announcements. Uh, we will have our website uh, dropping uh, by either later tonight or, uh, you know, in the coming days. We just want to make sure that we have uh, all the updated rosters as we can. Uh, it's still in a working progress. You know, uh, some teams we weren't able to get a hold of, so we do have some missing pieces whether it's roster names or coaches and and whatnot but be on the lookout for that you can also uh, purchase our varsity breakdown t-shirts there uh it will uh, i believe have a link uh, to our venmo uh, if you guys want to pay through that or if you want to pay uh when uh, we deliver the shirts that's okay as well and uh lastly uh one of the big things uh we're gonna start uh doing is uh the uh, scholarship raffles uh, so, so far, uh, we're going to start this uh, at the beginning of September once all teams have officially got their season underway. Uh, we're going to be ha- uh, raffling off uh, U of A and ASU tickets uh, for the month of October. 
Uh, we're still deciding on which games they're going to be. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to start at the beginning of September and go all the way to the end of September. And then, you know, we'll uh, definitely pick a winner, you know, a week before uh, the game at least. We're going to have them uh, on sale for uh, $5 each or uh, three tickets for $10. So get out there and help us. Uh, all the proceeds are going straight. Uh, directly to uh, our scholarship which is the Leticia Cavazos Memorial Scholarship it, it's named after my mom uh, who uh, just recently passed away and she was uh, so involved and loved this community uh, here in Coolidge but not only here uh, we have tons of family uh, out in the county and you know she loved to watch us play that was her thing she wanted us to be involved in as much sports as we could and I mean you Till this day, I can still hear her yelling from the stands. And I, I feel that if she was still here today and saw, uh, seeing what we were doing, she would definitely uh, be traveling with us and want to see uh, not only what her alma mater is doing, but what the rest of the county is doing. So please help and uh, support uh, these local student athletes by uh, buying a ticket. Or if not, we do have a GoFundMe page. Uh, which uh, you guys can just make donations that are strictly going to go to the scholarship as well. So uh, did I leave anything else out? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. I think we're, we got that energy going. We're, we're just waiting for these next few days to pass. And once Friday hits, it's game day. Yes, sir. So, you know, uh, we're only six days away. Time's finally here. And, you know, let's go out and have some fun and, uh, and try to capture some amazing moments uh, with our Pinal County team. So without further ado, uh, if we do not see you guys on Friday, uh, we will be back uh, on Monday uh, for next week's episode of the Varsity Breakdown. But thank you all for joining us again. Get out there and uh, check out these teams because they got some uh, studs out there and they just need a little bit of attention. So help us uh, bring that attention to them and let's uh, have a great year this year, brother. Take it easy.